everybody, and welcome to the American Citizens Podcast. My name is Gray, and I'm joined today by Ian O'Neill. Ian, welcome back to the pod. Hey, Gray. How's it going? It's going pretty good. And, um, well, it's going a lot better now that City have won a game for the first time in, well, the entire month, actually, um, with a 4-0 win over West Brom. Obviously, we bet we were off. We skipped the midweek this week because um, well, we had a hard time getting people um, and I didn't want to do it by myself, but, um, we do have Ian here to talk about a whole lot of things that, that have happened recently in the world of City. So what we're going to do, we're going to start with the most recent. We're going to start with City's 4-0 win over West Brom, in which Aguero once again looked like himself, which was very important. And in general, you look at West Brom as sort of one of those teams that's going to set up to make themselves difficult to play against. City broke that pretty early, and they were at 2-0 up at halftime. It was the same story again. They sort of were threatened a bit more in the second half before they killed the game off with two late goals from Ilkay Gundogan. So, Ian, I'll start by turning it over to you and, and, and say, given the string of, 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 of winless winless performances and I it went back I what was it six six matches without a win um does this close the book on that sort of malaise or is this just um city taking full advantage of a good matchup against the weaker side do you think I don't think uh it ends the concerns that were you know that were raised by that six-game streak. Although I would say, you know, one thing is that the game against United was kind of a throwaway game in multiple respects. First of all, it's a fake, you know, useless competition. And because of that, you know, he played a bunch of younger guys. So I don't even think about that as a, as a reasonable game to analyze to see how City are doing right now. Um, but I really, my visceral reaction to them winning uh, against West Brom was just, Okay, we're back. We're back to doing well. I mean, the four nil scoreline was important, but the way they played was was excellent, especially in those first forty five minutes. And it is, like you said, it is incredibly frustrating how they don't just kill off the game uh, a little bit earlier. Um, I don't know why that is. I I'd love to see us get you know a goal early in the game against Barca and see if we're able to not. You know, give up a goal and actually be, you know, ready to to score that next goal and put things away. It's it's. I mean, don't you find that frustrating? Yeah, and it's been kind of going on for a while. Um, in in the sort of sense, even when they were on that streak of playing really well, um, they weren't really killing games off. I I, I liken this sort of to the Stoke away game, which was the second Premier League game of the season where they won 4-1, um, two of those goals came very late, they were pushed for much of the second half. Um, obviously not a bad result, but at the same time, there, there were moments where it felt like in the second half, West Brom were more likely to score the, the next goal to make it 2-1 and then really put us all on the edge. And obviously they didn't, uh, we avoided that fate and we ended up winning handily, but I think that there has been all season this sort of lack of a clinical edge, I guess, 
to how City have played, they haven't really finished games off when they've had the chance. They have a, There have been moments where they haven't finished chances. Um, the Derby in the league comes to mind when they only won 2-1 despite having the first 40 minutes were just plastering them, basically. So I do share that concern, yeah, because I think that... Danny, I th- the, the, there's a sort of ruthlessness, I guess, that's lacking in, in their play so far in most games. There have been some exceptions, but in most games, I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah, the game that really comes to mind is the home game against West Ham. Uh, I remember when they let up that goal, Pep's reaction was just like, is this actually happening? Did we really just let up a goal here when we're up 2-0 at home? It was just a completely ridiculous situation where that game should have been it should have been three four nil at halftime. And you're right, Gray. It's it's there's something. Think about this. Think about how Barca finish. They always finish really well. I mean, you know Suarez and Neymar, Messi. If they have a good chance, they're going to at least put it on target. And that's really the one difference I think between Barca and uh, and City is that clinical finishing and getting those goals and then being able to relax a little bit and, and you know, make it, you know, from 1-0, make it 2-0, make it 3-0, and then relax a little bit. But it's like we're, you know, for 90 minutes, you just hold, like, you know, 80 minutes or so, you're just holding on, waiting for them to give up a goal because they don't seem interested anymore in finishing off the game. And I don't know, it's 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 very frustrating to watch. Yeah. I still watch. Uh- yeah, of course. But, um, you know, you're, you're looking for that complete 90-minute performance, and I don't think we've quite gotten it yet. I think they've come close a couple times. Um, they played very well at home against Bournemouth, for instance. Um, they played they played quite well against uh, Gladbach in the Champions League game, but even, even then, um, you know, they were up 2-0 at halftime, but then it took them a while again to get the third. So, I think Pep knows that, and I think that he's a bit frustrated by it as well. Like you said, I remember not only the the game against West Ham you mentioned, not only did he seem just absurdly frustrated when when West Ham pegged back, but when Sterling scored the third goal in, in right on 90 minutes, his reaction was basically... God, that took too long, you know? He just looked like the picture of... Of frustration, um, and I think that it didn't cost them games at first, but it has since. And I, I look back at the games that they didn't win. Um, you know, Celtic—they just didn't play well in the midfield. They—they they got they made a lot of stupid mistakes. Tottenham—they didn't play well overall. Um, but you look at Everton and Barcelona, the the away tie against Barcelona. Um, and the Everton game where they missed two penalties. Those are games where they didn't so much concern me overall. I still felt like they were on the right track after those games. But once again, they were spurning too many chances and teams were making them pay for it. Barcelona in particular are just going to put you to the sword every time you leave them an opening to do that. Um, And I think for the moment that is what is separating City from... Teams like Barcelona in, in Europe's elite is that um, they're, they're, that ruthlessness that if you give us an opening, 
we are going to make you pay for it. I think that's lacking right now. I agree. I mean, that really is, you know, actually, let me ask you a question here. Which game do you think was the worst game so far? Not necessarily in the result, but just in the overall play. Um, see, I can go back and forth on this between uh, Southampton and, 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 the, and the League Cup game against United. The reason I'm going to sort of back off the League Cup game is because they sort of had the slipshod team in there that they just sort of were, were, were throwing stuff at the wall to see what stuck. Um, so the South, in that certain sense, I would say that the, South, the performance against Southampton was as poor and as drab as they've been all season. And, you know, we like to think they're past that. Or we liked to think that they were past that, but they just they felt off, and that that was that was a frustrating one for me. And I would say that you know scoreline aside, everything else aside, that performance was the one that made me sit up and think, boy, because they were coming off the back of that defeat against Barca, they had not won in four at the time, and so you would have thought. A home game against the Southampton side that is good. Don't get don't get me wrong, but also you would expect City on paper to have an advantage there, and you would think that they would have a lot of motivation to put an end to that winless streak in a winnable game. And their first half was just so poor that that's the, the I asked the same question of you, but that's my answer. Uh, I think I think you've got. I don't think you can really argue against what you just said. That makes sense. Um, I don't think I ever said this before. Let me just, I don't know if this is going to be weird or not, but I actually always watch the game after I know the score. I don't know why. I just That's the way I like to do it. So I record it or whatever. I already know what the score is, so I'm just focusing on how they play. I don't want, I mean, that's just the way it is. Uh, I'm sure people are thinking that's ridiculous, but it's easier to watch. I, I don't know why. So the uh, for instance, you brought up the uh, the game against Machen Gladbach um, as maybe being the most ruthless game that we played. Uh, maybe maybe that's true. I really think I was actually watching the first 15 minutes of the Barca game again, and I think that was the best they've played so far. They looked really good, you know, at the Camp Nou. They looked just as good, if not better, than Barca for those 15 minutes. And, you know, Fernandinho slips. But that first half, especially the first 15 minutes, they looked great. They looked so much better than they did in the second half against West Ham. I think that second half against West Ham until the very end uh, when they, you know, got that last goal was just horrible. Difficult to watch. Um nightmarish kind of play that just makes you wonder how the score is in 3-0, 4-0. And you can't do that with Barca. I mean, if, if they get a chance to score and they're not, you know, they don't take it, uh, you know the Barca are going to take that chance when they get it. And, you know, I'd like to see – actually, let me back up here. Greg, do you think that three points is possible tomorrow? I'll go out on a limb and say yes. Against against Barca, yeah, I will I will say that, yes. Right. So, and I think though that the difference will be whether, like we've been talking about, is whether they finish the chances that they can finish. I'm not expecting 
necessarily a moment of uh, brilliance like uh, Aguero's second goal against West Brom, but just those other chances, that first goal against uh, West Brom, I could easily see them not finishing that. But the whole build-up to the play, you know, the most important part, obviously, is is putting the ball in the back of the net, but everything was perfect. It still would have been perfect even if he had missed, you know, the goal, scoring the goal. Um, it's like all of that good play from the halfway line until the 18, where they have to actually, you know, decide how, how are we going to score? Can we finish? Who's going to uh, – whom do we want to pass the ball to and where? Is just they just don't know what the hell they're doing sometimes. It is so ridiculous and frustrating to watch. So, um, yeah, I yeah. think that's pretty much as much yeah. as I can say about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I think, yeah, I wonder how much the three at the back thing just wasn't. Yeah. yeah. It, it seemed like an experiment that there was merit in a certain sense to it, but at the same time, it wasn't working in, in theory. Um, I mean, are you thinking tomorrow there are four in the back? Then? I think they'll go to four because they played with with uh, four at, at the weekend. Um, they've played with four in every game they've won, so I, I think that I think that might be one of those examples of Guardiola just trying to overthink himself a little bit. Um, so you know, I thought they played well yesterday with those caveats. Um, so we're sort of, back, I guess in that regard, we're back to square one because that's kind of what we were saying before the winless, um, the winless run. So, um, I, I'd rather be there than, than not, but you're still waiting for this team to kick on, it feels like, and we are a day away from November. And by the time you hear this, it will be November. So, right. um, yeah, that, I, think, Ray, I really think that, you know, the game against Barca, this is a big game. Obviously I like to get some points out of it. I'd be happy with a tie. Um, at least get a point. But this is a really big game to see where they are. Yeah. And it's it's really important because, you know, the, if they don't get a result tomorrow, they really are going to put themselves in a position where they need to win their last two games uh, to not get knocked into the Europa League or something like that. And I'd love to see them, you know, come out of the game against Barca with at least a point. And I think that would just be very helpful for them going into the international break. And, uh, you know, a win or a tie against Barca is, is quite an achievement. Hardly any teams can really do that. Uh, there are very few. So, yeah, yeah, it is, it is very much so. And, um, it, it's, it's, it's sort of an instance for me where if it would come as something of a pretty big confidence booster if they could get something out of that one. Exactly. Because they have played good teams. They beat United, although United have sort of proven to have plenty of their own issues since that game. Um, Other than that, the best team they have played, the best teams they have played, the two teams uh, would beat Barcelona and Tottenham, and they have lost those games by a combined score of 6-0. Now, there are varying reasons for that, but that's just the fact of the matter. If they can even take something, and you go, you can go back even beyond this year, looking at our, you know, history with Barcelona, because we've played them twice in the Champions League in the last three seasons, not counting this one. Um, you are looking at sort of the measuring stick, and it, they've made it pretty transparently clear that that's 
what they endeavor to build in city into. And every time that we've come up against them, we've been defeated. It doesn't matter where we play. It doesn't matter who we play. It doesn't matter who they play. We lose. Um, so I think that I'm not saying that there's a mental block for the players or anything like that, but I think that as a club, it would be a big moment if you could get three points particularly against this side because they have just sort of been stood there in front of us for several years in the past as that measuring stick and we just keep running into them and falling back and then running at them again and then falling back. At some point, you need to break through that and, and prove yourself at, at this level if you want to be as serious as the city city's hierarchy undoubtedly want them to be. I, I totally agree. I mean, you know, when you said earlier that you know we, we uh, combined Barca and Tottenham, uh, City lost you know six nil. The issue with City is that they are so much better than that six nil combined scoreline. So when you read that or or, or see that uh, combined scoreline, you're thinking, okay, well this team is just not you know very good. They'll, they'll never be good enough to you know to win those games. But that's insane. They they definitely are good enough. I think, yeah, not to interrupt you, but I think the last game, the last game proved that they're good enough. They played, they belonged on that field at Camp Nou right up until the red card. Um, And that I thought was the most encouraging thing, even if they gave up the stupid goal because Fernandinho fell down, which, what are you going to say? They belonged there, yeah. I mean, there is really... You know, him slipping and then them scoring, to me, has very little relevance. You know, when you watch that first half, you can tell that they can be as good as Barca. And they have the players right now. I know that people think, okay, well, in the winter, we probably need to get somebody. And then this coming summer, you know, it's going to just be a crazy market. And they're going to go buy, you know, as, as many good players as they can. But even the players now, with the system, they can do it, and it's really frustrating to watch them play some days where they just seem like this this group of people that are good, but they're not like a team, and they and they won't play the system that they've been taught. And then other days you'll watch them and be like, "Wow, this is this is quite impressive stuff." They look like Barcelona, you know, they play that way, and so you know what's what what really is annoying, like for tomorrow. The big question I have is it's not so much about like who's going to start or who's going to start for Barca. You know, it's about which team shows up for City. You know, what is it Kolarov, you know, scoring an own goal or, or passing it to someone to, uh, basically as an assist? You know, is it individual layers? Can they finish? And we have no idea who's going to show up tomorrow. And that makes it difficult to really think about what's going to happen. You just don't you don't know if they're going to show up or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think we're getting into this, but I'll, we'll transition to the next question I had, which was, in light of the last couple of weeks, taking everything you've seen so far into account, not just the last game, just everything, the good stretch and the bad stretch and everything in between, um, how do you feel about the city side now? What you think their ambitions, what do you, what do you think they could still accomplish, and what what have they done that has cast doubt on that? You know, what we. Where do you think they stand at this point going forward, the city side as a whole? Well, I still think, and I, I've thought this since the beginning of the season, that there's no reason why City can't win the Premier League. Uh, I think that they are the best team 
in England. And, you know, right now they're at the top of the table, even though, you know, they've gone through this incredibly difficult stretch where they you know, played like garbage, basically. Uh, the, the game against Everton, the idea of only getting one point for how well they played is just, you know, it's just crazy. And I, I think that I don't, even during the, the, those six games, I still saw City as a team that are good enough to certainly make it to the knockout stage of the Champions League and certainly a team that can win the Premier League. And, you know, I don't care about the FA Cup whatsoever. You know, I, I'm glad they got knocked out of the League uh, Cup. Um, so I don't, I, nothing has really changed for me in terms of what I think they can do. They're there this year, I think, to, to really challenge for the Premier League and to do some make some sort of run in the Champions League. I don't see them really having much of a problem right now. It's just whether they they show up or not. You can, you, you can tell we're Americans based on how we feel about the cup competitions. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. I can go on and on about that. It is, insane. Uh, it is such a waste of everybody's time to have the, the League Cup. I mean, what, what there's all, I think there are only like a, there are only a couple of federations that even have that. Like I think Scotland has it and mm-hmm. France. Yeah. Has it. It's just this extra game that no or extra competition no one cares about. Although you, you, you we say just because we're Americans, but we had Joe Bailey on here and we asked him and he's like, I wish I wish it wasn't a thing either. So it's not really just us. But um, to to your point. Um, like you said, they are still top of the table um, on goal difference, admittedly. But I think you have to step back and look at the record. Seven wins, two draws, one loss. They have scored joint most goals in the league along with Liverpool. They have – there are a couple teams that have conceded fewer. Spurs have conceded fewer. Everton have conceded fewer. But no one else has. They're on level with Chelsea in that regard. Um, with nine, Arsenal have conceded ten. Liverpool have conceded 13 in ten games. Um, and you look at the teams around them in the Premier League. Arsenal are Arsenal. We know what we're getting there. There's usually going to be a stretch where they cock it up, so to speak. Um, it hasn't happened yet. They've recovered well from a questionable start. But you're still looking at a team that has pretty well-known issues. Liverpool, um, we know, are vulnerable defensively as fun as they are going forward. Um Chelsea are a point off the pace. They're good, um, but they had a stretch where they looked pretty terrible. Um, Tottenham have struggled to actually win, turn draws into wins, particularly without Harry Kane. They've drawn three in a row. So as City have gone through this bad stretch in the Premier League, um, only Chelsea and, to a lesser extent, Arsenal and Liverpool who have also mixed in some drop points in there, have really taken advantage of that. So I think you have to look at the bigger picture and say, there's no reason they can't win the league. Um, they are, they're still in a good enough position to do that through 10 matches. Um, they have the players to do it. Um, they have the manager to do it. And what we've seen, like you said, even during that bad stretch, there were only the two games where I was sitting there thinking, geez, this really... Well, three, pardon me, um, although one of them was a League Cup game. So you, you look at the stretch. It doesn't count. Girl. Yeah, it doesn't count. It doesn't count. Um, so you look at Tottenham was concerning. Everton, I came away thinking, you know, okay, that not great to drop points, but they were 
on play like that on a lot of other days and they'll be fine. Barcelona, we talked about, they were fine up until the red card. Southampton was concerning. Um, West Brom was not so much. So I, I look at the games and it's a mixed bag, but there were there are obviously a few moments where I was concerned, but a lot of it made me think, you know, I don't think they're on the wrong track. They're just not quite getting the result here. Is is how I feel about it. So I'm with you on the Premier League, and I'm with you thinking that they should still be getting out of this group even at this stage, having dropped the points to Celtic away. Um, I, I I I think it will be a huge disappointment if they don't get out of the group still. Yeah, and you know you you just you know you went through all of the issues with uh, some of the games uh, in the Premier League. But, you know, after speaking about all those things, you're still talking about a team who is top of the table. So it's even when they're not playing very well, they're still, I think, still the best team in England. And when they actually play well, they're going to get three points. Um, they, there's no no game you go into where you're thinking they, they can't get three points in the league. Um, you know, when they play in the Champions League, that's a little bit different. But, um, you know. Again, they're still they're top of the table. We should be happy, um, but we're not because at least I'm not because we know that they're better than that. Right. I don't think we should be satisfied with what we've seen so far. I think that there is theoretically more in there that they haven't tapped into yet, um, and they have a stretch of games coming up where they're going to be varying levels of difficulty. Obviously, we have Barcelona coming up. We're going to do a really full preview of that in a few moments. But then after that, they're home to Middlesbrough, which, again, on paper, that's a win- that's a three points they can take. Then they're away to Crystal Palace after the international break, which, again, three points that they could probably take, although away games are more difficult. Then Gladbach away in the Champions League, which is going to be a huge game either way. Then Burnley away in the Premier League, and then they host Chelsea, and then they host Celtic, and then they're away to Leicester. So and then Arsenal and Liverpool are not far behind. So I, they're going to have to get it together throughout this this stream of games because there are tests coming up that they are going to need to be ready for. And obviously, we say that they they have the quality to win the league, but there are games in there where we're going to have to sit down and say, "Well, we think you can do it, but if you can do it, this is where you prove your your credentials." Those are coming up in a little over a month, really. So I think that the, we're, the month of November here coming up is going to tell us some important things about City going into a very pivotal stretch of the season. Yeah, I agree. I think that Chelsea game is – I am really looking forward to that game is maybe a way to put that. I, it is, that's going to be, I think, a good test for them. Uh, they are at home. So, you know, I expect them to get three points uh, or, you know, I'd be ha- I, I don't think it'd be acceptable if they don't get three points there. But Chelsea are a really good team. I'm not sure how much you know, you've seen them play. Yeah, I've seen I've seen a fair bit of them. Okay. I, I, mean, I always really well organized. Yeah, and I rate I rate I rate both their players and I rate Conti as a manager. And I was throwing them out there as one of those dark horse title contenders, even in spite of their last season. Um, so. I'm not surprised to see them doing well. Obviously, they're not a perfect team. If you can get at Cahill and Terry, then you have a, a chance to do something against them. And we've seen that in certain games. Um, no question about it. But we also saw how they tore United apart pretty, 
then so that is a team that has to be respected. And I think that that is your first real test. They came through the United game. That's good. But obviously results after that have borne out that United are not quite where a lot of people thought they would be. So I think you go to Chelsea in a home game. It's their first home game against a team that might be competing with them for the Premier League title. And I think that is where it's going to start for them to make a statement. That is where they have to start saying, all right, here we are, we're serious, we're going to play good teams, and we're going to beat good teams, and we're going to handle our business at the Etihad, which is a big part of why they were so bad last year, was that they didn't. So I think that I agree with you. That, I think, is one that is circled on everyone's calendar, and that, I think, is why the month of November is so important, because they have five games in the month of November, three of them away, and, pretty cha- and the f- a fourth being Barca at home. There are some challenges in there, and they are going to have to come up and face them and put themselves in a position to really kick on in December when the likes of Chelsea and Arsenal and Liverpool are going to be on the schedule. Yeah, it's going to be a lot different. I'm I'm, I'm looking at uh, their fixtures right now, and another one that really is going to be interesting is to see how well they do uh, in Germany. Obviously, that's a big game for them. If they can get three points there, that they'll probably go through, uh, assuming that they can take uh, care of Celtic easily at home, um, which I know they tied 3-3. But Celtic come in to the Etihad, they need to, they should lose. I cannot – there is no reason City, City should, should exactly. take anything but three points from that game. So they go when they go to Germany – it's going to be a good test for that for them. If they if they're able to win that game, if they're able to play as well as they did the first time, admittedly at home, uh, and get a win out there, that that's going to show us, I think, that they that they're improving. Mm-hmm. And I think that would put them through the group, obviously, which is the Definitely. other the other concern. Um, and I think that there are some. I don't think the jitters particularly exist amongst the players or anything like that. But I think there are some jitters on the outside, and I think. A win over Barca would go a whole long way to, to calming that. And I think a win in Germany would 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 also, I, I'm not necessarily sure it would be on the same scale, but I think winning in Germany would calm a lot of nerves too because that is a game that, frankly, if we can be honest, their survival in the Champions League is probably going to swing on. So if that that's going to be big for them and they're going to need to show up there. And I think if they do show up there, that's going to make some people feel better about this team, no doubt. I agree. So I heard earlier that uh, there's a game tomorrow. They're playing Barca. You want to talk about that? There is a game tomorrow, and they're playing Barca, so we should talk about that. Um, and what I want to do, let's let's start up top, because there's been a lot of chatter about Sergio Aguero in the last couple of, well, it's kind of calmed down in the last couple of days after he scored the brace against West Brom, started on the off, but... After he was dropped for the first Barcelona game, there were a bunch of inevitable rumors about Pep and Aguero aren't seeing eye to eye and uh, all that nonsense. And there were linked sudden spate of transfer rumors. And then he, he comes out, scores twice against West Brom. And then Aguero, uh, Aguero immediately says after the game, yeah, we're going to start against Barca. So I think that whole mini crisis is over. I think a lot much more, more was made of it than it was actually there at any point. Um, 
So, so that said, I thought Guardiola did it pretty well tactically, even with dropping Aguero in the first game against Barcelona. But is there anything that you think he needs to do different in the game, in the home game that you think that could be improved upon having seen the first game? Well, of course, I mean, the, the big thing is, you know, it's really weird. Sometimes, you know, if you follow Pep when he was at Barca and uh, Bayern, he would always, it seems like he would try to like think too hard about things and, and make these weird decisions. And like you said before, it looks like Kuhn's definitely going to start. And, you know, it, with him up top as a true number nine, uh, that changes, exactly, you know, the way they're going to play throughout the entire um, – the entire pitch is going to be different because of how they're going to try to feed him the ball as opposed to having, you know, a midfielder play a false nine. So it's hard to – other than that main difference to, to see what else you'd like to see. I mean, you could make things – easy by saying, well, I'd like to see uh, Caballero not handle the ball out of the box, or I'd like to see yeah. that's, that's, that's the thing, is that a lot of the problems in that game were self-imposed. I think that ball retention is going to be a huge, huge yeah. part. Because that was, I think, one of, probably the biggest bullet that they shot themselves with in that first game was just they gave the ball away in dangerous areas and if you do that against Barca like I said on the podcast after that game if you do that against Barca you're dead they're going to punish you every single time um so I think frankly that's the biggest thing and I'm not sure that I don't think that's a tactical thing that's just that you need to do this better thing um yeah to talk about uh, what you were saying earlier about uh, Aguero I would have, I, I'm sure you saw it. If you saw the game, when he scores his first goal, the goal celebration, I, I think, said a lot. I mean, people, they were really happy. They were, I mean, they, were, they got really excited about that goal for him. I think that all this talk about him, you know, possibly leaving or that he's falling, you know, down the, the, the list in terms of, of being a starter, I think that's past, uh, like you said. Um, but I would invite anyone to take another look at the goal celebration after that first goal against West Brom. And I think that, if you watch that, that kind of answers the question about where Aguero is in this team and, and how the team's feeling in general about having him. I think they, they seemed really happy that he scored. Yeah, I think there was a lot of paper talk involved, needless paper talk. Uh, obviously, a decision as big as dropping Aguero from a game as big as Barca is going to become a talking point, no matter if you like it or not, no matter if it's defensible or not. And I thought it was defensible. Um, at the same time, if you look at who they threw out there in that game, the problem with taking Aguero out is he is by far the best finisher that City have. Everyone else lags a fair bit behind. You, you look at guys like De Bruyne and Nolito who are behind. They're not terrible. And then you look at like guys like Silva and Sterling who have gone through periods where they just don't finish at all. So I think that is the big, the, the big thing where they just didn't have that clinical finisher to go to in the first game. Um, but other than, I, obviously, I think the Aguero thing, like I said, there was a lot of paper talk and tongue wagging that just didn't really need to happen. Um, but but the, I, I think that, I think you're looking at 
not this sort of tactical overhaul against Barca, like you said. And you have to find ways to make the team just play better. They need better, the better, better spacing, better ball retention, better everything. They just need to be a little bit sharper. And obviously don't make stupid mistakes like getting yourself sent off or what have you. Don't fall down. You can't tell people to do that. They're not trying to do that. Um, but I think, like I said, priority number one, I think, is going to be keeping control of the game as best as you possibly can. And I don't know how you do that, but I think that is it. And I, you look at the Barcelona side, they're going to be without, and obviously City are going to be without Claudio Bravo because of the red card, but City are, Barcelona are going to be without PK, Iniesta, Jeremy Mathieu, and Jordi Alba, apparently. So... I think that City have a real opportunity here to finally do something on this stage against this team. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'll just I'll just throw this out here. In terms of, uh, I'm thinking you know it should be a four-one-four-one. Four, one. Um, I'm you know I would be much more comfortable with having you know Kuhn up top and then having uh, De Bruyne and Silva right behind him, and Sterling and Nolito outside. I think that gives us a good chance to control the ball better, to do things, uh, to be a little more dangerous uh, with the ball. I think that just makes it easier. The more we can pass the ball well and and with some sort of purpose, and we have an actual finisher up top, that makes things difficult for Barca. So it's a mixture of, you know, having a proper formation, having the right players in there, and also you just hope that they play well and don't make these individual errors. Uh, I mean, the, the the game against Barcelona, the first three goals were just complete. They're, I mean, City basically scored on themselves in various ways um, by making these, you know, by making mistakes. Uh, so obviously, you know, that's important. You never know what's going to happen during the 90 minutes. But all you can really plan for is to, have a proper system, have the right people in it, and, you know, do your job. You know, and they're at home. So, I mean, I just, I like, I would like to see them, you know, get something out of this game, but I also would love to see them actually play well. I would just yeah. want to see them play Yeah, and obviously, if you know anything about Guardiola, you know, um, playing the right way is his chief concern. So, I think, yeah. No, go ahead. Um, I would love just this whole thing about uh, Aguero with the stupid newspapers. I mean, I don't know what it is about uh, the papers in in England. First of all, who's reading papers? But whatever, it's not 1982 or something. But it's just like they they have nothing else to do other than just make up things, and they take uh, a situation where. Guardiola just went too far in terms of his tactical analysis and decided not to play Aguero. Somehow it turns into something much more. And I would just, I don't understand. Whenever Pep has a post-game press conference, it's always just, no matter what the outcome, he's always proud of the players, happy the way things went. I mean, why couldn't he have just gone out after the Barca game or maybe the next uh, game, like the, the prior, uh, the press conference beforehand, and just say, I made a mistake tactically. He hasn't said that. And that would make sense then just to say that 
and be like, I should have, Kuhn is our number nine. He's going to play. I made a mistake. He yeah. He'll, he'll never say that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know if he thinks he did make a mistake. I think maybe mm-hmm. he, I think maybe he thinks, you know, we were good enough and then we took the red card and then everything went downhill. Um, yeah, I, just, I don't see, I mean, yeah, I understand what you're saying. I, just, yeah, I'm just, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here. Yeah, I feel yeah, I admit that. Making, yeah, I mean, you know, who knows? Maybe it could have worked out, but, you know, you have all, everybody on, on, up top in that game was a very good passer, um, but we didn't have a finisher on the field, and, you know, it's tough to see how we would have uh, won that game. But, you know, we could be sitting here and, Saying, oh, what a great, great idea that was. It worked out so well, but, you know, it didn't. So, I don't know. Precisely. I get, I get, I get a little bit frustrated. I don't know how many times you watch the press conferences, but he just, he never seems to say anything that's like really, he's never candid about anything. Um, even after losses. Or do you remember, like after the, the first game with, uh, it was against United, the first game when Bravo played his, uh, his first ever game with City. And after the match, Guardiola praised him after he... Yeah, I do, I, do, I do remember that. Anyway, tangent, I guess, but... <laughs> no, it's know, okay. It's, just, it's frustrating. I would like to see him be a little, have a little more candor during press conferences. Yeah. Um, I, I think that there's a lot... I I, I, I don't but I, but I preface this by saying that I agree with you. It would be nice if he would just come out and say, "Yeah, shouldn't have done that. Um, my mistake won't happen again." But he seems to have a very firm um, belief in going out there, and whoever he picked, he's going to pump them up because I think that was the case with Bravo. He's like, "Well, we're going to need him again." So we're gonna put. He was great. Woohoo! Um, even though he wasn't, we know that, and I think he knows that. Um, I think that it's he's just very, as you said, he doesn't like to really put a lot out there to the media, and I think he's at least he knows that he doesn't like having his words twisted about and put in this way and that way and whatever. So he he can be pretty deceptive and misleading sometimes. And I think that he also wants to try to justify his his selections by by sort of adding confidence to the players, I guess, um, telling them, you know, all right, I picked you, and I don't regret picking you. You were, you know, we're gonna need you again, what have you. And again, maybe I'm playing devil's advocate here. Well, that's right. I mean, you don't want to trash. Yeah, you're not gonna go out there. I, I I think it's one thing, like you say, you trash yourself and be like, I got it wrong today. But at the same time, you you don't want to be like, well, I had the wrong eleven guys out there today, because then you could construe it as sort of an attack on the players, and that is not what he does, and that is not what he wants to do, and that is not what I want to see him doing. Um, and we don't want Mourinho out here being like he wasn't good enough and he wasn't good enough and he wasn't good enough. We don't want that. So I, I'm, I guess I'm playing devil's advocate a bit to, to, well, I mean, to you, but sense. I mean, I think though, I mean, with the Barca game, the only issue, I mean, it wasn't with the players; it was with the system. Um, and I guess you know we'll find out if he he knows he was wrong by the team selection tomorrow. If he doesn't want to say something, you know, just be candid and say, oh, yeah. I'm going to say tactically, he'll he'll basically have said that to everyone by bringing Kuhn back in and having a regular, you know, his, like a 4-1, you know, 4-1 kind of system. Um, 
that I guess that'll be as close as we get to him saying, yeah, I, I made a mistake there. Anyway, I just I, I no, like yeah. the press conferences, and sometimes I just he, he's almost like um, like a the press conference uh, the person who does the press conferences for the the president. No matter what, everything is good, and it's, it's uh, maybe I should just stop listening to them because they're kind of <laughs> pointless exercises. Yeah, um, I, no, yeah, I, I think that. He's not as boring as Pellegrini was, but I think he is equally hesitant to uh, volunteer any sort of real information except when he thinks he needs to, like the Torre situation where he's like, he wanted to make put that out there and put the full court press on Torre. So I don't think, I don't think he reveals things unless he has some sort of hidden motivation to do it. Um, so let's, let's, t- I know we don't predict, or we say we don't predict lineups, and then we try to do it anyway, and then we're always wrong. Yeah. But um, it's too much fun not to. It's too, it's too much fun not to. I enjoy doing it. I enjoy I enjoy being wrong publicly. So okay, so give me what do you got? Well, let's let's let's. I think that we're going to have a very similar thing to what you said, and I think I'm going I'm going to stick with my pack the midfield. Um, I guess hypothesis or guess. I I think he will. I think Caballero starts in goal because obviously he's the only option. Um, I'm never sure about the fullbacks. I'm going to come back to them. I think Otamendi and Stones end up at center back. I think uh, he's. I think he's going to pack the midfield with. Um, see, here's here's where here's where I'm not sure because I think that he will want to get Nolito in there. Um, for for absolutely certain, um, and for that Matt, and for that reason, I think I think that if he does that, he's going to have to drop one of De Bruyne, Silva, Gundogan, or Sterling. Um, he won't drop for Nandino. He won't drop for Nandino unless he moves unless he moves him to right back and then keeps everybody in there. I wouldn't be shocked to see Silva drop. To to be honest with you, um, oh, I did surprise you today. I, 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 quite excellent. Yeah, no, so did I. Um, I'm just sort of spitballing here because I don't really know. Um, I, I feel like it. I feel like there needs to be some sort of stability in midfield, and Silva is kind of slight for that role. He can do it. We've seen him do it, but I think he can be kind of slight in that role. Um, and they would rather have De Bruyne in the central role. Um, Maybe they'll drop Sterling. I don't know, uh, but he's been so lively. I, I'm I'm spitballing here again. Yeah. And I could that. I could really go on a limb and say he's going to put Fernandinho right back, make Gundogan the pivot, and then play everyone else the same way and stick Nolito yeah. in there. But yeah, I don't I, think that's happening. I, I should I'm, turn I'm, it over to you because I'm babbling. Yeah, no, that's why. Uh, I, like I said, I, I enjoy doing this. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's fun to play around. It's, it's like uh, you know, we're. You're the manager or something like that. It's a fantasy sort of uh, deal. I think I think Nolito and Sterling should be on the outside. Uh, De Bruyne and Silva, and then Fernandinho behind uh, them. Aguero up top, obviously. Uh, and then I, I'd like to see Otamendi and Stones in the middle. I, when those two start in the middle, I have a, I, I relax a little bit. It's it's much better when they start. And I think I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think I think you got to play. Uh, Kolarov at left back. Yeah. I haven't given him yet. Yeah. 
So the only real question then would be right back. Um, Zabata apparently is not 100%, uh, which I think is a good thing. That's another topic, but I'm, I'd like to see Fernando play at the right back position again. It would go right into the pack, the midfield um, <laughs> theory, wouldn't it? Because uh, yeah. especially if, you, if you're talking inside, then you've got um, basically another midfield on the inside there. Um, I, I like that shout, and I think that I, I do wonder if because he did do it at West Brom at the weekend, and I do wonder if that's sort of a trial balloon for for this. Um, so I think he might be onto something there. But see that I mean. We- the biggest problem, we, like, I have a feeling next season we won't have to talk so much about the outside backs because they'll they'll have purchased people. Yeah, I, I, we will be. I'm I'm fairly confident in saying that we will be talking about someone else playing whatever fullback yeah. positions exist next year. Yeah, um, right now it's it's, just, it's tough because you have guys that are old, guys that probably don't fit into the system. So it's just like how you know whom can we place in there? that's going to do the least amount of damage to us, which is not a good way to have to pick a team, but that's just the way it is. Yeah, and I've tried to hammer that point home repeatedly, is that as much as Guardiola has been able to shape these guys to a certain extent, you know, I think we're learning, first of all, that he doesn't have his ideal team, and second of all, that there's only so far that some of these guys can be taken, I think, even by him. He has gone to great lengths to note that he is not a miracle worker. He works with what he has. He works with the attributes he can make work. At the same time, you know, some of these guys have kind are kind of, I guess, limited in their skill sets. So you can only go so far with them. Um, yeah, I I agree. I mean, that's that's the issue. We're, we're... We're not suddenly going to turn Kolarov into a world-class left back. It's just not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. But that said, I think he's the best option out, out left. And I think Fernando, like you said, maybe does a trial balloon. I'd like to see it happen again and see how that works out because there is no right back that's good enough right now. You know, Bakri Sanya is injured. Even he, though, is 33 years old, I believe. So it's just a mess back there for the yeah, season. Yeah, I've whined about the, what they've let happen to fullbacks a lot. I wanted to bring up a topic. I know we didn't discuss go, it. Go long. for it. We can, um, we can close on this, I guess. Yeah, exactly. yeah that's a good idea. Um, would you? What do you think about um, loaning uh, Sané during the, uh, the January transfer window? See, I've always... Um, I, I know Josh has, has floated this possibility too, and I've always kind of railed against it. But I think that if he's not going to get the game time, I think it's a good it's it's a good idea. Um, I guess it depends on how much they're going to play him, because again, we have seen flashes, and that is about the best way you can put it. He looks good; you can see the attributes, but he sort of drifts in and out, and he makes still makes mistakes. He's very young, so I don't want it to be like. I, this was expect. This was unexpected. It, it was expected, or I think it should have been expected. Um, but at the same time, if if you're if you're dealing, I think ultimately a lot will depend on how, what happens in the Champions League. Um, if they go through, I think they might keep him. Um, I'm not completely opposed to the idea. I'm inclined to disagree with it because I think he might stand more to gain 
from training ground work with Pep than he would elsewhere. Um, but but I don't think it's it's. I don't think it's as far-fetched or as, as something I'm willing to dismiss as quickly as I as I did if, if you'd asked me even a month ago, I think. Yeah, I mean, he, he was so expensive, so it seems odd to loan him out. But I just, I don't know, I don't see him playing too much. And I think when um, Gabriel Jesus comes in, I think he's going to be another. Yeah, that's that's a big wild card, isn't it? Because we, I think we sometimes forget that that's looming, not too not too far from now. Yeah, it's um, not that not that long now, actually, since we are into November, basically. No, it's it's that's going to change a lot. I think uh, if he if he comes in and is as good as I've seen him play uh, for Brazil, and uh, you know that again, I think that's. Um, he would be maybe a, I think got to play him on the wing um, because I think Aguero needs to be up top, and um, that hurts Sane's chances of, of getting some some playing time. But anyway, I just want to throw that out there because I was you, you see yeah that just not no play that much. I think I think it's a decent shout, and I think that you, the, the mention of Gabriel Jesus might actually be the best argument for it if he comes in and, and really kicks on immediately, which he might, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a reasonable thing. Um, well, I think that's a good way to end the Yeah, podcast. it is. If you got anything else to add, feel free. Uh, well, I don't think so. Um, everything hinges on how we play tomorrow in terms of how I'm feeling about the team. Um, I'd love to see a great performance from them. And... I think that if, if they play well tomorrow, they will the the way that we talk about them will be different. I agree. So it's it's a really important game. I think it's you know the game in Germany, like we said, is going to be important. The game against Chelsea very important. This is a good way to start. I'd love to see them play well in this game and then play well at the weekend, and then go into the international break. Um, we'll see what happens. I think we. I think he'll put out a team there that makes sense, and they'll be at home. And I'm not saying Barca aren't going to take it seriously, but they're already through. Um, I think it's more important for City. And they also have some pretty high-profile injuries, as we said. Right, exactly. I mean, it's, this is not an impossible task at all. No, it's at not. All. So, I'm yep. looking forward to it, Greg. Me too. Thanks um, for having me on again. Been uh, fun as always. Absolutely, and we'll probably we'll, uh, we'll be having you again. Game, I think. Yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll have you on um, for 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 the uh, for something later in the week if you are available. I will obviously reach out. Um, and can I just say one thing, Greg? Go right? for it. Why do we do this? Well, I just wanted to say next pod we do. I'd love to answer some questions from some of our listeners. That's right. This is a very blatant invitation to go on Twitter, and you tell them the handle. I don't even know what it is. And I will tell them. And we I will answer them on the air. I will tell them the handle. It is at America Citizens, if you don't follow us yet. Um, oh, great. I, I didn't hear that. Can you repeat it? At America, no N, America Citizens. Okay, okay. All that. That's right. That's right. Um, and we'll solicit these things earlier because um, – and we know that as as we record this, you've already gone to bed in the UK. So we will we will hit this earlier next time. But we do love 
answering listener questions, and we are all about that. So like I said, a third time, if you do not follow us on Twitter, you can follow us and interact with us at America Citizens, and we are happy to answer questions on the pod. Um, and if you don't subscribe to us on iTunes, you can do that, too. We are on iTunes. Just search for the podcast name. We're on there. You can subscribe to us, have us hand-delivered to your iTunes library by the Internet gods. So if you don't do that, you should do that as well. Um, until after the Barca game, um, we will we will talk then. And um, this has been American Citizens. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again later. Enjoy the game and have a great rest of the week.